Hey there, you got Jeff. I've got about 15 seconds before my dog barks again, so I'll make this quick. If you're looking to connect with other customer success leaders who are trying to operationalize customer success in their companies, come over to gaingrowretain.com and join now. Hey everybody, this is Jay Nathan. Thanks for tuning in to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Uh, We had the opportunity to sit down with Danielle Weinblatt and have a discussion about CSM compensation, which is one of the most talked about subjects in all of customer success. So Danielle is the CEO and founder of Convey IQ, which is now uh, owned by Intello. They were recently purchased, so excited for them. Uh, but it was a good discussion and uh, thankful that Danielle let us record it. And so hopefully there's some nuggets in there that'll be useful to you and uh, look forward to hearing your feedback. Welcome to the Game Grow, Retain podcast. So you rebranded, huh? We did, yeah. We launched several new products. So we um, provide communication throughout the entire hiring process from post-apply to onboard. So I thought that Convey IQ was more indicative of our value proposition. So to convey information creatively, clearly to candidates so you can communicate effectively throughout the process. So we have uh, automated yet personal text messaging, screening, we still digital interviewing, automation of the entire scheduling process. It's one of the most robust solutions out there, as well as polling and feedback. So really managing the entire candidate experience end-to-end integrated ATSs. That is awesome. Now, did you... um... Did you guys build all that organically or did you acquire things or built it all organically? Built it all organically. I wanted to start automating the headaches of recruiting teams. So, you know, having worked in high volume recruitment for so long, providing the screening solution, people would always say, oh, it would be great if you could do X or it would be great if you could further automate prior to the digital interview. Or it'd be great if you could schedule after a digital interview, after you watch an on-demand. So throughout the years, there were a lot of these client requests, and obviously the world was moving more towards automation, text messaging, other channels, millennial generation hiring, you know, which lends itself to like all of these other mediums. And so we wanted to build something. So we started uh, really thinking about the construct of what that could look like in 2017. And then we released the system in beta for our uh, earliest 10 adopters in 2018 and then 2019. So like earlier this year, it's all fresh code, all like amazing built from basically built from the ground up again. The system works like super fast and now it's just continuously automating a lot of the communication. So we basically... Uh, we build all digital interviewing, scheduling integrated, text messaging communications. The only thing that we haven't uh, obviously built ourselves, which I think is probably the best way to approach it, is our text messaging service still managed by Twilio, which I still think is a, a really reliable way to deliver text messaging to people. You posed a question on LinkedIn yesterday around how to how to think through paying the CSM team. So that caused like a bunch of questions in my head around how your, what your go to market looks like, what your target customers are, because a lot of times, most of the time, it depends on, on the, the, the 
type of customer you're selling to as to even how you structure customer success. And then along with that, the, the comps. So and can you tell me a little bit about how you're thinking of, or how, how your go-to-market is structured today? Yeah. Um, so when we think about our product and what we sell, it's definitely more of an enterprise offering. And so usually when we talk about our exec sponsor or our buyer, it will reach the VP of talent. It will, uh, it will have to be part of a strategic change in the organization. So one thing to mention when you're talking about recruitment automation end to end, uh, a behavior change, uh, behavior change usually means that there needs to be multiple decision makers at the table. And so the customer success manager, um, or at least my ideal scenario is that the CSM comes in uh, right around when the deal is about to be signed. Uh, and so we're gonna be talking about at least one year contracts, if not uh, multi-year deals. And so the CSM would ideally get involved uh, towards the end of the process to just make sure that expectations are aligned. Uh, for the automation to work well, it would usually involve some type of connection to the ATS as well. So there has to be an understanding of what that process looks like and what that implementation looks like. And then the CSM's role, which is why I uh, pose this question, is not necessarily tied to the renewal discussion or the, it's definitely not tied to the upsell discussion. That would be the account management team that specifically owns the renewal as well as the upsell. The CS team is really responsible for conducting quarterly business reviews, fostering adoption, providing training, giving the team updates when new releases, new modules occur, and then working with the team day to day to make sure they're getting the most out of the system. And so the question I was really trying to understand is for variable compensation and performance management, what are some of the best ways to then structure compensation so that it aligns with what their role is if they're not directly responsible for the renewal itself. Um, one of the things that we had considered was monthly active users, so mouths, but there's kind of two things that come into play there. One was that the system that we were using to gauge monthly active users it, it's hard to tell whether it's working or not, whether it's actually like truly capturing accurate data. So in itself, you can't benchmark um, performance if you don't actually have accurate benchmarks. So that's yeah. one thing we would have to fix. But then the other question is, can we, like, do the CSMs actually feel as though they can be directly responsible for for that measurement. And so when I think about structure and compensation, I feel like it definitely needs to be measurable. It definitely needs to be clear. And then it also needs to be something that the team feels as though that they have control over impacting in a positive direction. And so now I've been kind of tasked with thinking through, is there a better way to compensate CS if we don't necessarily have all of our abilities to control the now measurement. So that's why I'm yeah, seeking yeah. yeah, well, some people may not be in a hiring mode or they may be in a hiring mode which is lower than it was in the previous month, right? right. So the, the mouse could go down and the CSM would have no control over that, to your point, right? Tell me a little bit more about upsell 
the upsell motion. Is, is there an upsell target that your account management team has today? Um, so yes, the account management team has an upsell target. I mean, for our business, we'd say it's typically 10 to 15% of contract value, which would be the target um, for strategic accounts. Um, for accounts that, let's say, are still on the old platform, the goal would just be to migrate them. And migration has a very small integration fee in order to get them to the new connector, to the fresh platform. But for us, like we've been waiving that fee just because we think, well, frankly, just because we want our clients to be successful. If you're using an old yeah. an old system, we just want you to use the new one because you're gonna like it a lot better. The usability is gonna be a lot better. You will have more products on it to upsell once you build out all of the new modules into the new system. Yeah. We just want them to be happier, number one, which will improve retention. Two, they're going to be, um, they're going to give us higher MPS scores because the usability is better. And then three, there's going to be more opportunity to upsell over time. So that's really yeah. renewal and account management is responsible for. It would be migration to the new platform. And then if they're already on the new platform, strategic upsell would be 10 to 15% of ARR. Is that migration from the old platform to the new platform? Is that a, um, I mean, clearly it's got to be a strategic initiative for you too, because if you have a bunch of clients on two different platforms, you're going to gain some efficiency and some tailwind just by getting them onto one platform. But is that something that has to be sold into or can the CSMs help drive that transition process? The CSMs absolutely can drive the transition process. I don't even think it needs to be contracted, but usually it would align with the renewal, right? Oh, I see. Yeah, that makes sense. It's an event where you're engaging. So, but if you, if you could prevent having to use your salespeople to drive that discussion, yeah. that would be a good thing, right? Because you want them to go be, you know, upselling or finding new logos, preferably, as opposed to helping get from one platform to the other platform for a net, yeah. net flat you know, kind of transition. Like when I think of adoption or key initiatives in the organization, that is one that I, that I would absolutely be thinking about putting a target on for the CSMs because it's so impactful to your business, yeah. you know, to, to make that transition. So that's really helpful. The, the, on the enterprise side of things, when you're selling to larger clients, especially Fortune 500, more complexity, lots of different stakeholders like you mentioned, um, I find that having a separation between the commercial responsibilities and the actual adoption responsibilities is a, is a really important thing because you just have more stakeholders to deal with and people who have specialties in different areas. You may have procurement and other really complex buying scenarios where you need a seasoned account manager to go drive the renewal, the pricing discussions, um, the MSA kind of discussions. Um, and then on the other side, you've got to have product expertise you know, where are we adopted? Where are we not within the organization? How can we, how can we get more reach within the organization? Where do we have opportunity um, within the organization? The CSM has a better purview into that because of the day-to-day -day interaction or the week-by-week -week interaction with the client. However, I still like to hang the CSM's comp on revenue retention and revenue expansion yeah. because, you know, if not, like, what are, what are we in this for? <laughs> you know, what, what, how, how can we, how can we justify having that team? Not that it all, not that it all has to be justified by hard dollars, but, 
honestly, you're going to have an easier time at the board level and, um, and other places if you can back up everything you're doing with, with revenue. What, what I normally do for that CSM role in an enterprise model is go like an 80-20 split between base and, and variable, maybe 75-25, and then give them some upside the same way that you do for a sales team. Give them accelerators. But I like to base it on renewal and the actual renewals and the actual upsells because it's just so much easier to measure. You know, retention tends to smooth things out a little bit, and it's harder to say, okay, well, what period are we talking about for retention? Um, and, but if I can look at the actual dollars in that period, maybe it's a quarterly, usually quarterly, where we say, okay, we started with, you know, a million dollars in ARR, and we ended this period it, with, you know, 1.2 million in ARR. That's easy to calculate, easy to measure, and it's on the run rate, not the actual retention or the, the revenue itself. So that's a starting point, at least, for, for how to think about it. You feel like then you are basically double paying then? So, like, this is my, this would be my only concern. So you have account management that then gets paid uh, based on the renewal. Plus, they get paid a percentage of the upsell, so they'll get commission on that, of course. And then now you're structuring, I guess it's like bonuses within bands of ARR uh, renewals as well. So like how, like, can you give me a sense of like the actual percentages that you would be giving and, and like, like in terms of like bonus achievement and how does that compare to account management and how do you make sure you don't have too high a cost of sales or, or you know, infrastructure costs? Yeah. Yeah. But so the, the difference in the account manager role is that it's more of a commission-based thing, to your point. Yeah. Um, and then the, on, the, on the CSM side, it's more of just a variable comp. So it's a bonus, right? And it's based on the overall achievement for my book of business. So I, we do hear the, the double comp thing a lot, but actually a, a lot of boards are getting more and more comfortable with that because they know it takes a team to do those deals where, where we hear a lot about double comp is like when, when in, in smaller accounts where the deal transitions from the sales person who sold the new logo to either the account manager or the CSM, who's going to take it to the next level from there, the sales rep always wants to keep it for a year. Right. But the problem is that the customer engagement can't really start appropriately with the salesperson still holding the account. So from time to time, companies will choose to double comp to say, Hey, look, let's get the thing transitioned. And if it upsells in the first year, then let's give the, the salesperson who brought that thing in some kind of reward for that because, you know, they didn't oversell it, which is good. We don't want them to oversell too much in the first year if there's a inflection point there. And then we also don't, um, but we also don't want to inhibit our customer engagement model our customer journey from flowing appropriately with the right people because the salesperson I mean you know this as well as I do the salesperson they need to close the next deal they need to book revenue yeah. and so that's going to always be their goal but when a prospect becomes a customer they need other things from their commercial contact right they need to be nurtured in a different way they need to be you know supported and, and drive you know the, the customer journey with them in a different way and the salesperson is typically equipped to do, and that's okay. We love our salespeople for what they are, right? They help us drive bookings and, and, and close revenue. Yeah. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, no, it, it does make sense. So what percentage are, are you talking about here? So like, it sounds like in some cases, obviously it's the salesperson who may be responsible for some of the upsell and let's say year two, or it could be account management. It could be fairly interchangeable in that respect. How much are you giving as a commission on upsell? Is that 1%, 2%? Is it typical like sales commissions of eight to 10%? And then what do you think is like a typical market bonus for a CSM who's doing enterprise deals, you know, in, in the realm of 50 to 100K? From an upsell perspective, it's anywhere from, it's, it's pretty, from what the studies that I've seen and the customers that I've worked with, it's anywhere from 8 to 12% on upsell, sometimes a little bit lower depending on how complex that motion is. Yep. Um, and the kind of skill sets you need to have, but you know, the, the revenue growth within the account is so important to your growth as a company that it's, it's t- people are finding that it's typically worth it to pay those, those premiums. Now renewal, much, much, much lower, right? We're talking, you know, 0.5 to 1.5%, like real low. Um, yeah. Or even just, you know, sort of a bonus, you know, did you hit all your renewals or not? The bonus the, based on that. Um, on the, on the CSM side in the high touch model, like you have, it's, it's going to be more of an 80, 20 kind of split or a 75, 25 kind of split. So, um, you know, if my base is, my base is hundred K yep. and I'll have a 20, 20% bonus on that. Yep. Um, you know, based on those really the net renewal metric, which is the renewal plus anything I added into my book. Yep. that year um, or that quarter. And then if, if, if that, that encourages the CSM and the account manager to work really closely together because their metrics are aligned. Right. Because right? that's really what you want. Um, and the, the CSM can be the, they can help identify opportunities. That, that may be a spiff you want to give them, by the way, of, you know, finding opportunities within their accounts. Yeah. Although if they find the opportunities and then they work with the account manager to close them, they benefit from that automatically when they're, when those renewals and those upsells come in. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, I like the concept of a spit though, because, you know, the problem sometimes with these interconnected bonuses is, you know, if it goes well, everyone hugs it out. If it goes poorly, they blame each other, like back and forth. Like if you see this with marketing and sales a lot, like, oh, I generated the leads, marketing's responsible for a percentage of, let's say, revenue, you know, close, which will increase their budget. And so you have a lot of finger pointing back and forth. Well, I generate the right types of leads, they're quality SQLs, but they don't actually get closed. So like there may be some opportunity to say like if you have a CSM identifying a lot of these opportunities, but for whatever reason, it's not 100% moving the needle the way they had hoped on the revenue retention side, you may still want to give them a spiff for going above and beyond. But then you also have to question the effectiveness of the account manager and or whether I don't know, that they're identifying strategic enough upsell opportunities. So it's, uh, yeah. it may be something to consider. Yeah, there's so many dynamics. But I think the more you can align them on one metric and say, look, like the, the, the job is for you guys to work together to, to bring in additional revenue on these accounts. Yep. Right? I mean, we, we've, we've brought these customers into the fold. If we can leverage them 
um, both for marketing and, and, you know, to drive our new logo sales and then also to, to, to grow. I mean, it's just a powerful thing. Um, one of the things that we see a lot is that, um, and we're actually working with one company who's doing, starting to do this right now is creating a pod out of the CSM and the account executive or the sales director. So when they do that, you, you sort of find the right fit people that can work together and they see themselves as partners in crime. And, you know, the fewer of those relationships I have to have as a, as a CSM or as an account manager, to be fair, the better, right? So if I can give them a book of business that, that aligns, they both have the same book of business, they just play different sides of the coin, then, you know, you can optimize around the relationship that they have together and how they drive expansion within those accounts together. And then maybe some of that starts to go away. Like, I know I'm going to have to work with you on the next deal too. So we might as well get to know each other and, and play off each other's strengths. Um, you know, just like your sales engineer and your account managers or your sales, your uh, accounting techs. I like that. I love the pod concept. I think it's really great for building team camaraderie and, and collaborating. Can we just go back to your comment, which I thought was really insightful around migration. Uh, in addition to just net retention, even though it could likely be correlated to migration, uh, would you put some type of metric on migration and I guess the only see I see a reason to do it but then on the flip side I don't want CSMs being overly aggressive with migration if a client isn't ready to do it because they, they can still stay on the old platform if they want some people are resistant to change and then the other thing too is we have an integration team but the speed at which we migrate could be it could be in queue, but it could the ability to get them migrated over could be a bottleneck of engineering or product, not necessarily the CSM. So how do you still make it a priority for them? Maybe give them some goals around it, but like, would you comp to it if there's other groups that are, are hinging on the ability to do it? Yeah, that's a great question because you don't want to force somebody down that path before they're ready. And frankly, you might not be ready to your point with your resources. Yeah. I would probably treat that like a funnel of its own because there's probably a number of steps that you need to, that you need to take to get the client ready to have that conversation and to make that shift with you. So the first thing is, does, you know, does the customer even know that this is a, this is an opportunity? I'm sure your, your product marketing team is helping them understand where you're going from a platform perspective, but then have I had the conversation? Do we know whether, you know, this is something that client X can take on within the next 12 months? Um, if not, do we know why? Uh, so I would, I would, and then, you know, what are the, what are the three or four mile posts, you know, from, Hey, they become aware that there is a better platform that they can migrate to, to, you know, the actual migration. What are the mile posts between that we can measure? And then what is the CSM's role in that? And maybe just measure how, how well they're able to get people over those next hurdles, you know, and it can't be a hundred percent, right? You wouldn't want to use a hundred percent as your target, but eventually you do want to be at a hundred percent. So, you know, what does that, what does that ultimately look like? How long does it take? Um, can build it out from there. So I don't know. That's one idea, yep. but I definitely think there's something there with, with having the CSMs drive that because, I, I think the other thing that, that could happen if you didn't really focus in on this and didn't make it somebody's goal is that you could have clients sitting on the old platform forever, which you don't want either, I'd imagine. 
I mean, have you heard of companies doing uh, any type of variable comp around adoption metrics? And I guess if so, have you heard it ever being successful? In my mind, the further you get away from revenue metrics, the harder it is to measure. I, I think where I have seen it be successful is where there's a very specific feature or a very specific piece of your platform that you want clients to take advantage of because you know it makes the client more sticky or it drives expansion the right way or it has a direct impact on revenue. So um, there, there are a couple of companies we're working with right now where they're almost like, well, they're payment platforms and essentially they don't make money unless the client expands their adoption. But again, it ties directly back to revenue in that case. Right. But if I can get them to take advantage of certain pieces of the platform then I know I'm going to be able to drive more revenue through it, that's almost the coolest kind of customer success because it's truly, you know, we don't win unless the customer does. Um, so when you get into an enterprise workflow type platform, it's a little harder to, to tie it back transactionally to your revenue. So that's why, you know, the further away you get from it, the harder it is, harder it is to measure. But I would think of, old versus new platform as an adoption metric. Who's adopting the new platform? There's clear benefits to your business for getting people from the old to the new. Um, so that's just one one adoption metric, but there may be others. You know, I'll, I'll ask you, like, what is the most valuable piece of your platform? Like the thing that if a client's using it, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, it would be the communication engine for sure. I mean, really, the new platform itself uh, connected to your ATS is incredibly sticky because once you set it up, like you've created all your candidate journeys, it's powering all of that amazing communication in the background. The recruiter doesn't even have to go in and uh, adjust anything because it already personalizes and updates based on the information that's being extracted from the ATS. So it's super flexible. Um, you would only want to go into the system if want to create more positions or you want to amend any of the additional workflows but yeah i mean it's it's the communication engine like you wouldn't want to go and recreate that for example in another system um you want to do it once so that would be it um and if people are utilizing that they're fundamentally getting access to digital interviewing to scheduling to two-way chatting to everything else so um it really is just the migration I mean, that, that sounds like marketing automation, right? And those systems, once yeah. you get them set up, are really, really sticky. Yeah. It, I, I have another question for you, too. Do your customers usually have people in-house that can do all that work and who think about the, the workflows and the, you know, the communication strategies with the, with the uh, candidates and that type of thing? Some companies do, the larger ones, definitely have someone who's focused on employer branding, and so they have a lot of assets already. Or I've seen some smaller companies that are thinking more strategic about it. So they've already put together the assets, the videos, like the imagery. But the funny thing is, you still, like the way we set it up, like marketing automation, it's a story. It's a story arc that you're telling your candidate based on the position. What type of dialogue do you want your candidate to have with your brand? That's really what it is. It's it's Adam yeah. is 
touch point? How do you want to communicate with them? And so we actually built in a bunch of templates for companies that are preset recommendations that pull in all of those fields automatically. Now, of course, you want to go in and you probably want to like individualize it, but it's it's already pre-built for you. The CSMs, I will mention, they put a lot of effort in to try and make sure that the companies are happy in the initial stages with that content. So that that is a little bit of heavy lifting on the front end for them. Yeah, that that makes complete sense. And the the um, an interesting thing that we've seen work there is when you have a more complex. So some of the larger companies, I'm guessing, they have somebody or a team that are dedicated to figuring out all that employer brand stuff, right? But this, maybe on the smaller end of enterprise, they may not have people focused on that in the same way, and it's somebody's part-time job. So we've seen managed services be real successful there, too. Um, so I don't know if that's something you guys have ever looked at, but you know, we, we work with another $60 million company out of D.C. that they've, they've created a 4 or $5 million um, managed services business just driving the process for their clients, which is really interesting. So, you know, not, not sure if that kind of thing works in your world or not, but it's definitely an interesting thing that people are starting to do more of in yeah. fast and have that managed component on the side. Yeah, I like it. And we've definitely thought about it. And certainly as we continue to add more clients, we're going to have to think about something that's a bit more scalable like that. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.